Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. When you love meat, you find a way to take it with you everywhere you go, especially when it comes to getting outdoors. That's why Smithfield has so many high-quality, delicious meats that are perfect for any outdoor adventure. Whether the park you're headed to is a national park or just the one down the street, like Smithfield marinated roasted garlic and cracked black pepper fresh pork tenderloin, expertly seasoned for on-the-go flavor, or prime fresh smoked ham that'll have you building on-the-go sandwiches packed with flavor. Smithfield Extra Meaty Back Ribs bring hand-selected perfection to the backyard, and Smithfield Anytime Favorites will help you take the ham you savor to the places you love. From diced ham that'll turn any picnic into an outdoor feast, to hickory smoked boneless ham steaks that are the perfect cap to any hike. The great outdoors just got greater with Smithfield. For the love of meat. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Nomad Strength Show. I am Ross Hillier, your host. Today, I am joined by Ian Strimbeck. Ian is the founder of Rune Nation LLC, and it is a company that does a lot of weapons training, self-defense training, hand-to-hand combat training. They're just a wealth of information on how to better protect yourself, better to prepare for the unknown. Uh, They teach seminars all over the country. And we got into a pretty awesome discussion today talking really about the state of what's going on in the country and in the world and why it's so important to be prepared physically, be prepared mentally, and then be prepared technically with a lot of the stuff that he teaches and that they teach in their seminars when it comes to actual weapons. And uh, we actually cover a lot of things in this episode that when I post this to YouTube, I'm fairly certain uh, it'll be taken down within a couple of days, but it'll live on the podcast. So if you're going to listen to it, then I'm, I'm sure we'll be fine. But uh, we get into a lot of stuff about all of the lockdowns in Australia, talking about why it's so important that we have Second Amendment rights here and what to do about those rights. How do we actually use those rights and why they're so important? And uh, we get into a lot of really great discussion about what preparedness actually means when the time comes to basically step up and and use those rights if needed. And the times are changing so quickly right now, who knows how long it'll be before we have to make those decisions. And we get into a lot of those great uh, discussions here in this episode. It was a really good time talking to Ian, and uh, I'm sure we'll have him back on you know, because in a month things might be completely different, which is part of the stuff that we talked about. So go ahead and follow Ian Rune Nation LLC on Instagram. Just search Rune Nation on Google. You'll see all of the uh, all of the results come up. They've got seminars that they teach. The next one is coming up in December. 
And then just look at the seminar schedule. If you're anywhere close that you can make it work, get out there and learn from him and become more prepared. It's going to be a valuable skill uh, for yourself and for your family and your loved ones. So without further ado, this is Ian Strimbeck of Rune Nation. All right, everybody, welcome to the Nomad Strength Show. I'm Ross Hillier, your host today. I'm joined by Ian Strimbeck of Rune Nation. Ian, thanks for hopping on and making the time today, man. Thanks for having me. I uh, really appreciate it, and uh, I'm excited to see where this goes. Yeah, I've been uh, I've been following your your guys' stuff at Rune for um, probably six or so months now, and uh, with everything going on currently in all areas of the world, uh, I thought it was a good a time as any to have you on to talk about a lot of the stuff that you guys do and why it's important and, uh, absolutely hopefully drop some knowledge and some takeaways for, for a lot of the people that are listening to, you know, better be prepared and learn how to protect yourself. I mean, cause that, I mean, that's really essentially what you guys are doing a lot with your seminars and stuff. And so I kind of yes. want to do, uh, even just a little bit of background, like wh- where did you, where'd you come from? How did you get into this and how did rune kind of become a, a thing? Sure. Yeah. So, um, I was, as we talked about, uh, unfortunately born in the draconian and communist state of Massachusetts, uh, <laughs> for, for the entirety of, my life, and I left for uh, boot camp, more specifically Marine Corps boot camp, ten days after I graduated high school. Um, so I was stand. I graduated high school on June second, and on June twelfth, I was standing on the yellow, the infamous yellow footprints on in Paris Island, South Carolina. And then from two thousand six to two thousand ten, um, spent my time in the Marine Corps station out at Camp Lejeune with 3rd Battalion, 2nd Marines. Um, I was um, a grunt infantryman. I held every uh, position within a fire team from saw gunner to point man, um, grenadier, everything in, in between that. And um, spent some time overseas from uh, late 07 to 08. And then all basically of 2009, I was all over the Mediterranean um, training with our allied forces and basically being a QRF or a quick reactionary force if there were anything to pop off within that immediate area. Mm-hmm. Um, in 2010, I had um, decided to leave the military um, and I used my, basically came back home to Massachusetts, used my GI Bill and enrolled in college and obtain my obtain a bachelor's in communication with a concentration in journalism and a minor in psychology in 2014 from 2010 to 2014 while i was in college i worked for a locally based um firearms company where uh we taught the where i got to first you know start teaching within what you call the private sector mm-hmm. um teaching basically at, uh in massachusetts you have to basically jump through hoops of fire to uh to obtain a license carry firearm and i taught the very basic what was known the bfc or the basic firearms class which is essentially a death by powerpoint for six to seven hours <laughs> and um while i was also doing that i worked for a locally based executive protection company out of the greater boston area where we worked um with uh, visiting international dignitaries like dalai lama um, and the state department when he was visiting doing his tour um, celebrities, VIPs such as the Rolling Stones when they were doing their their music tour, and just um, you know VIPs and anything and everything in between that. Yeah. Uh, not as cool as uh, people make it out to be. Uh, more <laughs> or less the 
people you're protecting or the principles you're protecting looking more to, as a hindrance than anything else. But still, again, still something to experience. And then, yeah. of course, tacked onto that, I also did your very stereotypical door work at less desirable bars and less desirable areas of Boston. Um, that really kind of opened my eyes to the normalcy of everyday criminal interaction, how quick and how fast and how violent things can become, especially within compromise in small spaces such as bars. Um, and then 2014 occurred, graduated college, had no real rhyme or reason to stay in Massachusetts anymore, especially with where I was seeing this passion was taking me. Um, decided to move up to New Hampshire in 2014 on a whim with real, really no plan other than just getting out of Massachusetts and mm -hmm. worked for a, a corporate job, which I absolutely hated. Um, but again, <laughs> had to put food on the table. Yep. Um, met my wife at that job. Uh, we ended up getting married again, moved to another job, which again, I wasn't too big a fan of, but now had to put food and table for my wife and my kids. Mm -hmm. And then finally in 2017, um, it was basically the moment of, I either want to be known as just a locally based instructor that just does it on the side whenever he has time, or mm -hmm. I take the infamous jump into the void and um, figure it out. So in the fall of 2017, I said, screw it, I'll do it myself, Gave put my two week notice in, and now here we are almost five years later. And this is primarily all I do. Um, I also enjoy writing. That's kind of like my real passion. Some people like doing photography mm -hmm. or um, creating, you know, new products, physical products. Um, yeah. My my kind of passion is within writing. So um, since then, I've had the opportunity to write for Skillset Magazine and Recoil, and um, I pretty much write daily on my website uh, mm -hmm. because I'm sure we'll we'll talk about it in a bit. But um, my position on social media is anything but. Um, pro towards it. So I've actually moved all of my input or my effort, so to speak, towards my online blog that I have through my website. And yeah, that... yeah that's that, that that's pretty much all. That's kind of the history of it as to what Rune Nation is. It's, it's more or less a um, consulting and education company uh, that assists in bringing one individual from point A to point B. And mm -hmm. uh, I focus more on the philosophical aspect of things. Like it is primarily involved around the concept of self-preservation mm -hmm. and or self-defense. Mm -hmm. uh, we work with military and law enforcement as well. Uh, most of my classes, my open enrollment seminars are more or less for the everyday um, legally armed citizen. Mm -hmm. uh, but I do have, you know, uh, law enforcement, military come, uh, you know, on their own accord on their own dime to attend my my seminars as well and i do everything from rifle to pistol to um unarmed uh or armed grappling with and with and without edge weapons um mm. and where that kind of stemmed from is i'm a purple belt in brazilian jiu-jitsu i've been doing jiu-jitsu now for almost a decade now at this point awesome um, i started in massachusetts while i was living there and thankfully there's a nice little quality school near where I live here in New Hampshire. And I go there when I'm not traveling between two to three days a week, sometimes help out in classes. Um, my uh, black belt, Peter Green, is nice enough um, to allow me to every now and again kind of plug in the stuff that I teach in my seminars at his sure. school. So so it's a, it's, it's a pretty uh, cool and symbiotic relationship that, that we have there. And totally. uh, primarily, I do about 26 seminars a year 
Um, I have a local range that's, you know, about 15 minutes from my house that thankfully I can do my one day seminars there. But um, out between that and my travel stuff, I, I, I teach about 26, 27 times a year. Um, this year, I'm actually my last one is in the beginning of December. Okay. And, uh, nice. Yeah. And you travel all over the place too, because we were just talking before all we over. recorded that you were actually out here in northern Idaho, uh, yep. just a few I, weeks back. Yep. I was out in uh, the Coeur d'Alene area with my good buddy uh, Ivan from Kit Badger, and uh, I, I go to his uh, the far reaches of Washington and Oregon mm-hmm. as well to um, Arizona, New Mexico, Texas. Um, pretty much um, have knowledge, will travel. Yeah. So do you look for, uh, I mean, is, is it mostly range work that you guys do when you practice a lot of this stuff? Yeah. Uh, my biggest sellers are, are firearm related or firearm topic related, uh, uh, seminars. But when I do teach my grappling and edge weapon stuff, I can do that, you know, at a martial arts gym at a range or, um, you know, I've done them at CrossFit style gyms as well too. Cool. Yeah. About, uh, I want to say it's been four or five years now, but there was a place that was here locally, um, that did some, some similar type of, uh, some similar type of training. And, uh, we, it it was kind of cool. We had a, I did it for about a little over two years, uh, fairly regularly, but we had a big warehouse that they had put up like these, you know, quote unquote fake structures, but they were meant to, emulate like homes and a bank and oh, yeah. like these other things. So you could actually practice room clearing and, yeah. uh, you know, all this kind of stuff. So it was, I mean, in terms of just the value of the, of training in itself, like that, I mean, two years of that was, I mean, invaluable essentially just oh, being yeah. that, that knowledge and then the actual application of that stuff in scenario based stuff, you know, and, and we had one of the, the simulator, like the simulator shooter things with the laser, thing that puts up the on the screen in front and you get to like yell at the screen like you're talking to an actual person and do that kind of stuff so i mean it was it was like i said invaluable training for real world you know practical application yeah i mean well i mean the, the first thing to take in consideration for any of that is more specifically you know our country america needs to you know, take handle the fact that you are in charge of your mm-hmm. life and we need to, as a collective whole, need to come together and stop outsourcing, as I call it, our safety to some other entity or some other individual. Mm-hmm. Um, because at the end of the day, you can't, you know, pull, say, a, you know, a law enforcement officer out of your pocket on the worst day of your life. You know, the average right. response time, depending on where you're living, is at the minimum five minutes. And that's like, if you're like in the city, like maybe next, you know, your apartment next, next to, to the, the station. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, and you get out to the more rural parts, such as where I live. Yeah. It's going to be maybe about 15, 20 minutes. And yeah. the reality is that, you know, if you're injured in a major artery on your body, you know, such as a femoral or a carotid artery, you can easily bleed out and die within 30 seconds. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, that's an extreme example, right. but just to, you know, people need to just understand that, um, and, 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 and it's a scary thought, right? Because we kind of live in this world where um, people don't want to believe that the bad man or the boogeyman exists, uh, because once they do that, they then have to accept the fact that they now need to take charge of their own safety, mm-hmm. and that's terrifying for most people. Do you uh, Do you think that's 
what do you think the primary cause of that sort of mindset is? Is it just because of the comfort level that we sort of exist in oh, yeah. right now? Oh, yeah. And I personally think from a societal level that mm. because of how much we've evolved, um, you know, since we emerged from caves, you know, we have the Internet like we're talking on now. We have all this advanced technology that we're somehow above mm. uh, the very raw concept of violence. Yeah. And that's anything but, you know, the 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 weapon so to speak to create violence has to change and you can't remove that you can't suppress it you can't um you know believe that say somehow suppressing or or controlling um the use of firearms or the ownership of firearms is going to have somehow magically change you know violence as a whole i mean mm -hmm. one extreme not really an extreme example just one one example is say the country of australia Back yeah. in around 92, 93, um, they had completely banned the personal ownership of firearms. Basically, they said, if you own firearms, if you did not turn them in past this date, you will be considered a criminal. And once they turn their firearms in, you know, there's videos you can see online about it, but they literally just are taking them to a, like a factory and just, just buzzsawing, just cutting and destroying all the firearms that they turned in. And then immediately after that, the first time in Australia, they had these things called home invasions that they've never mm -hmm. heard of before. Why? <laughs> because criminals are opportunists. If they know people mm -hmm. aren't armed, they know people aren't available to defend themselves, then they're going to use that to their advantage. Exactly. And, and it just just blows my mind that uh, these so-called leaders that are, you know are in these roles to 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 make or change laws somehow think that by removing that from a legally armed citizen standpoint or or you know a a, a citizen who who follows the laws and doesn't have a criminal background that can legally own such tools removing that is somehow going to immediately stop violence and that's anything but where do you see most violent occurs is in areas or in cities where the personal ownership of firearms is non-existent such as yeah. chicago yep. new york city boston Los mm -hmm. Angeles, all of these cities where it's extremely hard, if not impossible, to go through the process to do whatever in order to own those those firearms. Yeah. And uh, look at what's happening in Australia right now. I mean, like as <laughs> even exactly. an exponential example of what yep. happened 30 years ago. I mean, it's yep. insane that the stuff that is going on down there right now uh, is a direct result of those yep. actions from the 90s. And I truly and wholeheartedly believe that, yes, there are just things that just blow my mind as to what's currently occurred in, in our own country. Like it's literally something out of a Twilight Zone episode mm -hmm. or a Black Mirror episode. Have you ever watched Black Mirror? But yeah. to a T as to what's happening, you couldn't even make this stuff up or the best writers of those shows can make this best up. But I think that it hasn't gotten to such extremes as Australia or even um, – in Britain because mm. they know that mm -hmm. a large majority of citizens in this country own firearms and to think that, and of course there will be, you know, certain individuals who will follow such orders and turn them in, but the vast majority that is their line in the sand. And I know a lot of people, a lot of veterans who have sacrificed a lot to this country, who have lost friends and lost limbs in, def in defense of this country, that that is their line in the sand. And they yeah. know that there would be a quite literal civil war on their hands if they were to cross that line. So I truly think that that's the only thing that may be stopping from things getting 
significantly worse. Which is goes in line with how and why it's so important to have the type of training and stuff that you do because the majority Absolutely. of people that own them aren't people that were veterans or like have had any, no. they just own guns. They were handed yeah. to and, like, they were given yeah. to them from family members or whatever. And, and, and I, and I tell students in my seminars that, um, they literally make up 0.5 to a whole 1% of the gun owners in America who are willing to go out there, put in the work, put in the effort, pay the money and become better. And that mm -hmm. absolutely terrifies me from a, yeah from a not only just a, a citizen in this country standpoint, but from somebody who also owns firearms because that paints a very wide and negative paintbrush on ownership here in America. Now, yeah. I will never be an individual that says um, that will you know, po uh, potentially be in favor of state mandated training because all of all the states I've been to where they've had mandated training, it took so long to be approved through the governmental system that yep. it, by that point, it's so antiquated and outdated and has no relevance or relevance to mm -hmm. uh, what they're trying to accomplish. Like say, for example, and I, I, don't know, I don't know if it's changed, but the last time that I checked in Rhode Island, in, in the state of Rhode Island, you have to basically uh, designate what caliber that you qualified with on your concealed carry license. So you have to carry that caliber at all times you decide to carry. The qualification is basically from a bench rest, you know, indoor range, little bay set up at maybe 15 yards and it's on mm -hmm. a paper plate and you have to get just eight out of 10 rounds somewhere on that paper plate. So there's no definitive accuracy, no definitive part time or time you're looking to get it done under and you're not drawing from an actual concealment setup as to how you would really you know, yeah. access it in a realistic situation. Uh, but again, that's what the state requires. Now, here in New Hampshire, in us, or sorry, us, Vermont, in Maine, we are all constitutional carry. So basically, right. you can go through your gun store, go through your background check, which somehow these people that are in favor of guns think it doesn't happen, which they always <laughs> happen. You have to go through a background <laughs> check. It exists. And, and, and you can technically just leave the shop concealing it on you. Now, without prior training, obviously, I'm not a fan of that but it's legal right. free fruit for you to be able just because you can doesn't mean you shouldn't right right um, at the same time you know if you're going to go out of your way to own and carry conceal mm -hmm. carry a firearm on your person in public space in defense of yourself or your loved ones then it is your responsibility as an adult to go out there and get the you know proper training and it mostly in my opinion and i'm gonna get all and i'm gonna get a lot of flack for this for sure but in my experience after um teaching both part-time and full-time for almost 10 years now that the vast majority of gun owners not necessarily the ones that come to my seminars but overall are very insecure people and they buy guns because they put their complete ability to defend themselves or their loved ones in this gun that they believe is a magical talisman that's somehow going to ward mm. the bad guy away and they somehow also believe that without uh with no proper training or no uh continuation of right. training or education that they're somehow going to be able to magically improvise these life or death skills on the worst day of their life which is obviously anything but the truth and so so what would you when you're taking somebody that's like brand spanking new into yes. this, like those type people, like what are the basics, like the first couple of things that 
should be like the mandatory parts of the training? What, what are steps one and two for a lot of those people? Well, the first thing is to understand that if you have to use from a, this is strictly from a um, law abiding citizen standpoint, military law yeah. enforcement excluded because they're more in a direct action or a uh, reactive type role. Sure. Um, if you have to go to your gun as a legally armed citizen, you screwed up somewhere, right? Like mm. even though I teach this for a living and I go travel all around the U S teaching this stuff, um, I tell people that this should be your very last option. That's kind of the paradox of what I do for a living and what right. students are in turn coming to the seminars for is they're learning these light, these life preservation skills that they will hopefully never have to use because people want to talk about the training. So the, the pre, um, you know, what happens before right. the, and also the gear setup. They want all the gear. They want, you know, this bell, that holster, you know, the whole kit set up. But no mm -hmm. one's talk about the post shooting situation, which is dealing with court, dealing with civil court, um, dealing with the back and forth, you know, uh, upwards to a year of back and forth between court, having your name stained in the newspaper, having your firearms taken in an evidence locker, all the stuff that no one in turn wants to talk about because it's not the cool thing to talk about. Right. But the reality is, especially now in 2021, where everything is so um, scrutinized, like for, forget about being a law enforcement officer where they're already scrutinized as it is. Now you're a law-abiding citizen who's not even in a law enforcement role that has decided to carry. And now you shoot someone in defense of yourself, your loved ones, you better believe that there's going to be um, some aftershock to that more than likely in the negative manner. And that's why I tell people to also look for some type of insurance as well that yeah. is going to, you know, work for you in court if and when that worst day of your life, you know, happens. So my first thing that I, that I tell people is that your soft skills, as I call them, or, or, or is what they're known as um, in, in the gun space, how holds a higher priority as far as what I'm concerned than actually um, you know, deploying or utilizing a, a handgun or rifle out of a bag or whatever it is. And those soft skills more pertaining to uh, pre-assault cues, heuristic cues, as my good buddy Drew from Bear Solutions says. Um, basically taking information in from your immediate environment. Um, yeah. So environmental abnormalities, as I like to say, like say you're walking in the city, it's the middle of July, and you see a guy walking down the opposing sidewalk towards you with a leather coat on with a beanie on he's profusely sweating you're like hmm that's kind of weird i should probably yeah. cross the street and just avoid that potential confrontation right but instead a lot of gun owners have that issue with pride and therefore mm. like this is my sidewalk i'm gonna keep walking this way and they're they're potentially again instigating a situation that could be avoided by just simply just beelining him and crossing the street right. or let's say that you weren't paying attention and someone approaches you and they're within that as my good friend and mentor Craig Douglas of Shivwork says, bad breath distance where you weren't able to stop their encroachment on you. So now you have to use some type of verbal judo or verbalization to, again, potentially de-escalate the situation. That actually came in really good use, again, when I did EP work or especially working at a door at a bar and having to mm -hmm. de-escalate, you know, someone who gets a little liquid courage in them with, you know, 10 Bud Lights yeah. down the tank and... Um, <laughs> Being able to be like, yeah, dude, you're right. I'm a, 
I'm a huge POS. You're right. You're so much tougher than me. Yep. Okay. Let's have a, let's go and walk over here. And the next thing you know, they're out the door. And I never had to throw fists. I never had to put a choke in. I was able to just very passively and effectively get them out the door. And you'd be surprised that the lack of that within the space, because everyone is so dominated by the gear yep. and the kit and the firearms, and the, especially with the rise of social media and you know the likes and the shares and all that type of stuff. So no one wants to talk yeah. about that stuff. But your soft skills are always on you. There is no certification for them. There is no license. There, you will not run out of ammo. You can take them anywhere and everywhere with you. So that is what yeah. I, in, in my opinion, I, w- I would hold at, at highest importance. Like, as I said, I, I do this for a living, but I hope I yeah. never have to utilize that. Um, not to only deal with the psychological afterfact of it, but just dealing with the fact, like I said, of just the whole legal aftermath of dealing with all that where it could have been avoided by me just having better, um, you know, uh, situation or to limit my task fixation or to just Mm -hmm. have that ability to talk someone down that might be angry or maybe inebriated or on some type of drugs. Um, Mm -hmm. just having those, those, those simple skills for sure. The, and the psychological part of it's super interesting too. And you mentioned that was one of the things you went to college for was psychology. The, uh, one of the things that when I was doing those trainings a handful of years ago, um, that one of our instructors was saying, he said, even I, I can't remember the percentage, but it was the vast majority of people. He said, just mentally aren't even ready on any level to pull the trigger in any, like the, like the, no. the consequences of that on themselves, like mentally or, or to be put in that situation. Like nobody is prepared, like hardly anybody is ever prepared for that situation. Even if you've done all the training in the world, like, doesn't matter when you're until you're actually in that real life situation if you're not capable mentally of even being in the situation then like the training is is one thing but actually being in that situation is is a whole other animal altogether oh yeah and you know like obviously owning firearms and going to classes and attempting to replicate that is good mm-hmm. um going in utilizing that in a force on four style class with what's known as simunitions or yeah. UTMs, which is essentially looks like it's, it's, like a it's essentially paintball, a paintball right? yeah. that you load like an actual round into your gun and they hurt for sure. Yeah, they you do. They stay hit. <laughs> so that, that puts a higher level of, of importance of, you know, um, cl- clearing your corners properly if you're doing in structure work or where I've done it in, you know, grappling to, to make sure you have control o- over that mm-hmm. limb or try to strip that out of their hand. And then, you know, another kind of add on to that, you know, because trying to get into that in those type of classes continually is not only expensive, but difficult, depending on where you live and traveling. But in my opinion, doing something that is physical daily that Mm -hmm. invokes that mentality and that hardship, but also doing something that also allows you to practice violence such as some type of reputable martial art. You know, Mm. obviously I'm biased. I've been doing jujitsu now for almost a decade, so I'm Mm -hmm. a big uh, fan of jujitsu, but things like Muay Thai or just traditional boxing, things that, Mm -hmm. you know, um, are time and tested and, and things that work because we as humans, like we need hardship. Like the, the most anxiety ridden and scared people that I've come in contact with, avoid adversity like it's the plague 
in in my opinion and again i'm not a certified psychologist or anything just my two cents on thing it's because they've never defined their baseline they've never defined Mm. what it feels like to hit rock bottom at the bottom of the figurative well so because they've never defined their own baseline they think everything's hard they think everything is scary they think every everybody is out to get them but on the counter to that, everybody that I've met that is involved in some type of physical pursuit, again, whether it be in the gym or on the mats or whatever it is, something that invokes that hardship, that ability to endure, they are the most n- not only happiest people, but nicest people I know uh, mm-hmm. because they they touch that reality on a daily basis. And the physical aspect of it making the physical aspect translating into the mental changes is like the entire reason I decided to start coaching people on strength and stuff because that's and and specifically with men because that's the like the lowest hanging fruit for most men it's like well you can sweat today like that doesn't take too much thinking to like go for a run or to like do squats and push-ups and pull-ups or whatever but the the changes that will take place as the result of the consistency of that makes everything else like you said your your mental aspect and your mental strength and everything increases exponentially with that just by working on the physical part of it as well absolutely and you know it, it's just human by human nature you know we are inherently lazy by default so yeah. what i do what you do what you teach what i teach is inherently taboo it, it goes mm. against modern culture and, and that's what we're unfortunately seeing with the current craziness in the world you know yeah uh, is nobody can get people to work right yeah. anywhere and everywhere you know i go in town and now hiring cvs walgreens whatever these places nobody wants to work because they just want to you know sit on their couch and just have that unemployment mm-hmm. check mail to their house and it it's just a, a crazy thing to see that um you know I, I can't even get people to 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 come in and work on the the shed in my yard because it it's what i need done is such a low priority for most general contractors and they don't have enough people as it is they're like sorry we, we just can't come out because we don't have anybody to work and and it, it just goes to show like where we've where we started as a you know species to where we are now like Mm -hmm. our ancestors are totally rolling over in their figure (laughs) grave so to speak yeah it's frustrating to say the least like yes that's the the least word i could use is frustrating uh without getting too fired up about it yes yeah which i'm sure like you're you're similar in that regard like just fighting yourself from being ticked off all day long (laughs) especially in the line of work you're in and, and, and the way that I look at it and, you know, the, the, the old saying of, you know, control what you can control and just mm-hmm. let the rest go. And it's definitely hard some days just because of, you know, I mean, I don't really watch the news at all. I, mm-hmm. I just don't. It's, it's just obviously bi- first off biased and just negative mm-hmm. all the time. It's just going to elicit a, a, an emotional response in me. And that's not which is the point what I want. Exactly. Yeah. Which is the point. Um, but I, I, I try to, you know, maintain connections with people within my circle, um, go about my day as best I can and try to put out as good, as much good positive information as I can. Mm -hmm. 
And um, as I had previously stated when, when we started this, I when I was out in Idaho a few weeks ago, um, my buddy Ivan from uh, Kit Badger, it's a really he has a really big following on youtube for gear reviews and whatever mm-hmm. um he helped me f- film a video where essentially i talked about how i'm purposely removing effort from any and all uh social media platforms yeah. um mostly because i've been actively shadow banned um a lot of people can't tag me anymore and stuff um with no rhyme or reason um i can't obviously get any feedback from the lovely people at instagram of course <laughs> of course uh, of course <laughs> And I just, and just for the terms and conditions that if you actually look into what Facebook and what you're allowing Facebook and Instagram to do is very invasive. And from a moral and ethical standpoint, I don't believe in that. And yes, it's more or less probably going to have a, not a huge negative result. I was just starting my company. Yeah, it would, it would definitely be hard trying to market that, but I feel like I have a solid enough following and supporters now that, um, you know, I'm going to put as minimal effort as I can yeah. on those platforms. Maybe once a week, if that, all the effort now is going towards my, my, uh, my blog mind fuel that I have on my website, where basically I, I post there daily and I leave the comments open so we can create discourse and conversation through there. And I don't have to worry about things being, you know, tagged with a, um, COVID, Yes, you know, uh, a little flag below it, whatever it is, flag yeah. below it, or or it or it being you know deemed inappropriate, or whatever else the overlords deem is appropriate, because technically yes. it is their platform, right? It's a free platform that mm-hmm. we have decided to use, and they can make any laws or rules or regulations that they see fit, because it is their thing that we're using for free. And until we, as a again as a whole, a collective effort. You know, try to boycott or ban that, which, in my opinion, will never happen because people are at this point. People are, in my opinion, too selfish and uh, too worried about themselves, especially <laughs> you know the uh, the influencers that are out mm-hmm. there. They would never uh, try to make effort and start over again. But it's thankfully, that... oh, go ahead. Uh, yeah, no, I, I was just going to say uh, the only other platform that I really am on because I know it's unbiased and. A good friend of mine personally knows the developer of it is uh, Vero. If, if, if you're not oh, on yeah, there. Oh, yeah, I've heard of that. Um, yeah, so I, I'm on Vero. Um, uh, it obviously doesn't have as big of a following, but it's a similar layout as yeah. Instagram without any of the egregious terms and conditions that uh, Facebook and Instagram have. Right on. It's uh, it's funny that you're in this frame of I mean, not because just from getting to know you already, I can see how you would be in this frame of mind because I'm very similar. Uh, yes, yes just last week because i was in such a similar place launched uh just basically a membership site um that's essentially a i i liken it to a facebook group on steroids uh yeah. but I, we do daily posts but it's just community building thing but it's it's yeah. the same thing my my content my stuff it's there's no oversight on anything and yeah. uh, use it for the exact same purpose like i was just having the conversation the other day it's like i don't really know how much longer i want to be a part on any of these social platforms because the people that want to see my stuff when I post something don't see it anyways. Yeah. And then, uh, so like, why not just bring everybody over to this thing and use 
like the people that want to see it are going to see it and be able to interact. And like you said, and I'm, and I'm not even someone because of the industry that I'm in. I mean, I can get flagged for a lot of stuff that I want to say, but I don't purposefully go out of my way to like try and get flagged. I mean, that's like almost become its own subset of people right now too, that like want to be known as the people that get flagged for everything, which yeah. I'm not, I'm not one of those, but like they're moving the goalposts all the time. So like things oh, yeah. that I said, I said a month ago that wouldn't have been in any way, controversial like in a week i could get my whole account taken down for like just oh, because yeah. it's all the arbitrary rules that they're deciding over there that some you know 22 year old kid that's their fact checker decides that my stuff is like deemed dangerous or whatever oh, and it's yeah. just like well, i'm not even gonna leave it up to chance with any of those you know yeah and i mean that's why i've also the the, the effort to that but also um, I've gone back to old school, signing up, sign up for a uh, newsletter type newsletter, thing. So, yeah. so, so I do a newsletter monthly or bi-monthly just talking about, you know, upcoming seminars or, yeah. you know, you know, if I get new merchant or um, stuff like that, um, just because mm-hmm. that really is the, you know, it, it, it's ironic that we now have to go back to where it all started. So it kind of goes full <laughs> circle here yeah. um, just to have that freedom of of speech which Mm -hmm. is almost non-existent now at this point so the second amendment is is trying to be infringed on which has been happening for a while and now the the first amendment especially on these biased platforms is getting to be non-existent at this point like sure you can Mm -hmm. say what you want but doesn't mean it's going to stay up for long or doesn't mean that you're going to get you know a warning or sometimes as you said your account completely deleted with no like hey stop that just like oh and delete and again all that effort you put in for years growing your brain is now gone you have to start over and i've seen that happen a few times now you know since all this happened 18 months ago um and it's just a it's just a crazy thing to see like uh, i i always say i or have been saying that you know george orwell couldn't have predicted uh, (laughs) a uh a a, a better or a more to a t future like he he was more or less our modern day uh nostradamus as far as i'm concerned like i recently uh read 1984 again you know and wow the uh it's the, the parallels are frightening Yes. Have you have yeah. you read Animal Farm recently? Because that one too is uh, no, no. I, I I definitely should though for sure. Yeah, I would I would go after that one next because that one from a couple other angles is just like he might have been a time traveler and actually have yeah. lived here for a long time yeah. and then yeah. went back to for the eighties sure. and wrote those books. <laughs> for sure. I mean, it's in the in the fact of they just keep pushing the line and. Uh, you know, the vast majority just, just keep on nodding and going along with it mm-hmm. is, is just another, um, sad, sad thing to see. But thankfully, you know, there are individuals, you know, out there such as yourself and others that, um, are willing to, you know, say and talk about, um, you know, standing up for not only autonomy and, you know, having choice, but also like, what we go more specifically, what we stand for as men in regards to, you know, having, you know, being a protector, mm-hmm. uh, being strong, you know, being, being somebody of worth that carries weight. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and unfortunately, you know, where we're seeing less and less in that. Um, and I feel like um, it, it's going to come to a tipping point sooner than later. I would, that was going to kind of be the next uh, 
set of questions I wanted to go over is what, what are you seeing right now that in terms of that tipping point uh, that either encourages you or maybe just continues to discourage you with kind of the nature of what's been happening lately around, around the country? I, I mean, um, just the fact that we're just slowly removing the choice of the infamous jab or the choice of a mask, which has been proven not to work. Mm -hmm. And just the fact that people now are literally conditioned like Pavlov's dogs Mm -hmm. to just go along with it and not question um, just uh, amazes me. It's just a, like I said, it's like we're living in like the, I don't know if you remember red comics as a kid, but bizarro land which was superman's alternate <laughs> yeah. universe yes and it, it you know like i still see people walking around here when it's 90 degrees out in full humidity that are definitely in the in anything but healthy with masks on that i'm like they're gonna drop dead right here in the middle of the street because they, they can't get enough air you know yeah suffocating exactly and what what i find ironic with all this and most obvious that no one question is no one has brought up ways to be preventative about any of this no one talks mm-hmm. about eating healthy no yeah. one talks about vitamin d no one talks about working out and look at all the people that are affected by this they are all mm-hmm. unhealthy but again no one is having the i think well, it was well, well, the, well, the percentage well, 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 was like 78 yep. percent of the hospitalizations are obese yep but all these so-called leaders that have the ability to talk about that aren't why follow the money as mm-hmm. no, regardless of how you want to talk about it, science is science, in my opinion, until money gets involved. Once my money gets involved, then it just becomes a biased opinion as to what you want and, and how much money you want to get back. Just mm-hmm. like news, like in the beginning of all this, my parents grew up, you know, they're in their late 60s now. So they grew up in an age where news was truly news. There was no yeah. right or left. It was neutral based. Here's the information. Take for it what it is. <clears throat> in the beginning of all this. They're like, oh, did you hear on the news? I'm like, I, I, I don't watch the news. It's, it's biased. I, I don't, you know, I, I don't listen to it. Oh, well, they said, I'm like, trust me, don't listen to it. And of course, it yeah. took some time because there was a lot of what we call cognitive dissonance because they were so used in growing up in a time where the news was true. And now it's literally just a biased opinion piece as to what side of the figure of fence mm-hmm. that you stand on. Um, mm-hmm. and, and, and that's kind of the, the biggest issue with all, it's not only from a news standpoint, but from a so-called health standpoint that like, it's been proven now that the people that now have gotten it are now more susceptible to catching it again. Mm-hmm. And they're still like pushing and pushing and pushing to get it. And again, I don't care either way. If you want to get it cool. If you don't cool, if you want mm-hmm. to wear a mask, cool. If you don't cool. But the fact that they're removing that soul ability of choice and having just simple autonomy in my opinion is absolutely terrifying the one that i frustrates me the most is the absolute removal of the concept of natural immunity like it's not even which i mean has been at this point shown to be like in the triple digits percent more effective than anything it's more, else th- th- this whole thing is more reactive than it is proactive yes so so instead of being like hey you should probably not treat your body like a giant dumpster 
and then you probably won't have all these <laughs> negative, you know, results right. that come out of it. Right. But instead, it's like, no, don't do anything. Just wait until you get this um, yeah. experimental gene therapy injected in your arm, and then everything will magically somehow be better. And that's anything but. Like, if if, if anything, it's like putting a patch on a worn out tire on your car. Yeah, it'll work for a bit, but eventually it's just going to wear out again. Yeah, I uh, I was trying to find it because I actually just posted this yesterday. Um, it was up from your neck of the woods, which you may or may not be surprised about that. Um, but it was that it was from the Delaware Department of Public Health. Oh boy, yeah, that's a great. You... Yeah, that, that's a great state. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it was like, it, and it was an actual post that they made, and I literally couldn't believe it. But uh, Paul Saladino, who's the carnivore. MD yep. guy posted about it also, but the, the post and I've got it right here post literally says uh, you would have to run five miles a day for a week to lose just one pound of fat. Uh, getting vaccinated sounds a lot easier. Protect yourself and those you love. I'm just like, <laughs> I, 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 I don't think I can face palm hard enough without <laughs> knocking myself out cold. <laughs> uh, and I, man, it, there's a lot of people that are in the, in, in my, industries speaking you know, on the health and wellness yeah. space that are making these points um very well and you know like well why aren't we talking about uh health and, and these things like you were talking about before the preventative measures of, of mm -hmm. becoming healthy and i think at this point i maybe just am a little too cynical to think that they're just not aware of that and that's not why they're talking about it like it's deliberate oh, yeah that oh, they know sure. that and are not sure. promoting that, you know? So, I mean, it's, they're, they're making really good points and they're doing it from like a, a kindness and like, we just need to be making sure we're getting people healthy. And like, of course that's the truth. Yes, we need to be, that's my, that's what I do for work. Like we work on getting strong and healthy and, and all this kind of stuff. It's not because they don't, they're not aware of that, that that's why that's not a discussion. <laughs> Yeah, and and one you know one of the most terrifying things is how willing people are still able to think that the the government the leaders have my best you know <laughs> in, interests at heart you know and it's literally Stockholm syndrome to a T like you yeah. couldn't you couldn't show a better example of what happens when you condition a person long enough if you again give them food give them water still allow them just a little bit you know like okay you can go out mm -hmm. now. Okay, you can do oh, but you still have to do this. But and they're mm -hmm. still in their happy little level uh, or their comfort bubble. Then you can pretty mm -hmm. much get away with anything, and that's what you're seeing here. Is they're you know s slowly starting to inch that line closer and closer. It's like putting a frog into a slowly warming pot of water. You obviously don't throw a frog into a boiling pot of water. You got to slowly heat it up over time mm -hmm. if, because the frog won't notice. And the same thing here. Um, people that don't have that that lack that level of, uh, of autonomy or that level of just ge general sensitivity of themselves in their environment are just so you know what we call in, in, in military you know tunnel vision um, that they just are completely ignorant as to what's happening um, around them or maybe not so ignorant maybe just choosing not to accept what's going on because again circling full circle here going back to the mm -hmm. beginning because that would mean they would have to take charge of their own safety and their loved ones and that's terrifying for the vast majority of people i've mentioned i gotta actually go back and find the name of the study because this is like the second or third time that i've mentioned it on the podcast and uh but it was done back in the i want to say the 30s or 40s and i'm pretty sure it was uh, a german psychologist uh that essentially 
got like a dozen people or, or so and was in complete control of the information that they received for like, I think eight to 12 weeks or something like that. Yeah. And, uh, they, he, he found that, and it was all propaganda that was f- using fear as the driver. Yeah. Right. And basically what he concluded was after, I think the number was 10 weeks, like if after 10 weeks of repeated messaging, like just pounding the information with fear being the driver for it, after 10 weeks, it would not matter how much data or anything that you shoot that you showed to these people to prove them wrong against what they have been shown for the last 10 weeks after 10 weeks, it wouldn't matter. They would never believe it again. And, yeah. and, and it's, it's, and when you think about like how the first couple months of this whole thing took place, mm-hmm. you're like, okay, that fall. I mean, that's that timeline from the middle of March to the middle or from, you know, all of March, all of April into May. Like that's pretty much exactly what was going on at the start of this thing. Yeah. And it, you know, it, it, it's the, the ebb and flow of all of it all. Right. So you give people just enough of, oh, okay, would you just do this and we'll get back to normal. And then right as things are looking better, oh, okay, we got this new variant. And now you put this level of fear and it's like, okay, we got to do this for a little bit until we can kind of get back to normal. And then again, yeah. you're giving people hope and then a, a, just a little bit of fear as well, just to not allow them to get fully back into level of comfort. Um, I'll, I'll send you a, a, uh, a little 20 minute video um, cool. after this it's called mass psychosis and it literally mm. it, it explains um, exactly that with very well done illustrations as well and it's a very um, it was very interesting to watch because mm. everything they explain in that video is happening in real time to a T um, and you know to, to answer I guess your, your question in full as to where I see things going not to be because I myself am, in a clo- is a, am a closet cynic as well, <laughs> but I definitely don't think I definitely foresee foresee things happening or getting worse before they get better. Because if you mm-hmm. go back in history, mm-hmm. nobody in a leadership role takes all of these freedoms and is like, all right, here you go. You have them all back. Nobody willingly gives them all back. Something yeah. has to be done in order for those freedoms to be relinquished once more and what that will look like i have no idea but i do know it's not just going to be automatically returned and if anybody still believes that that is just gonna just magically go back to normal um in in an instant they're extremely naive um as far as i'm concerned the and to take it to the other side the encouraging parts of at least the last couple of months this summer I, there's more and more and more of it popping up that oh. at least I'm, I'm more visible to, which Absolutely. means that there's, there's more, uh, people growing aware of the fact that the last year and a half, and then really this goes back decades when you think about it. I mean, just, oh yeah, it, it's all garbage for, yeah. you know, a lot of the ways that things have been presented to us in that way, you know, oh, yeah. the, the, the ways that we're being told things are garbage, not necessarily the, results of a lot of this stuff or, you know, the actions of a lot of this stuff, but the way that we're being told about it. And, uh, like you said, who knows however long that, but even like we were just, I was in a group chat this morning and, uh, went to like the FDA Instagram page and like, you just look at the last three or four posts of the, on the FDA's Instagram page. But then they're, I mean, they're just absurd. The things that like are on this government website or government social media account, but then you read the, will kill you. Exactly. But then you read, uh, you read the comments and it's nothing but people just ripping them. And so I'm like, that's, that's good. Like that means that 
people are, oh, yeah. are uh, I'm, I'm, aware I'm to seeing, it. I'm seeing lots of that more as well, whether it be in a from a political standpoint or a mm-hmm. government entity standpoint. I do feel like, you know, it's taken about 18 months, but it's it, I'd rather take 18 months than 48 months for people yeah. to kind of be like, huh, this is kind of weird. I don't like this anymore. Like people, I really think now they they've maybe not have drawn their drawn their final line in the sand, but they've drawn a contingency amount of lines yeah. before that definitive one. And yep. people aren't happy anymore. <clears throat> people people are not too thrilled about where this is going. And that, like you, gives me hope as to more people standing up, more people having a voice, more mm-hmm. people, as my good friend Mark Twight says, dissenting mm-hmm. and uh, not going with the flow. And yep. um, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's just... Uh, as as I say, it's in uh, what a time to be alive. You know? <laughs> it really is. It's crazy. <laughs> and I've I've had the discussion before that in regards to like drawing those lines, uh, everybody's going to have one yeah. that is going to be, and it, and it's, everybody's going to get to that point. It's not like everybody's going to have to be at that line at some point. Yeah. And uh, like you said, most people haven't drawn that line and they might not know it until they're at it. Uh, but at that moment is when they're going to have to make the decision that like this whole conversation, like we've been talking about them not being ready for it because they don't want to believe that that line is a, mm-hmm. it even exists, but everybody will be at that line at some point and have yeah. to make a decision and whether or not they're mentally mm-hmm. ready or even and respond accordingly and respond accordingly. Exactly. And so, yeah. man, it'll be, And I don't even know how to say, like, it'll be an interesting next couple of months because it could, I mean, with how fast things are changing, like it could be a next crazy next couple of hours. Like, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like things could go down pretty quickly with, uh, with the rate at just this, like absolute insanity. I mean, daily we're seeing stuff. Yeah. I mean, you you wouldn't believe it. Yeah. I mean, you saw 22 decades worth of effort completely diminished in less than a week. Yeah. Um, and that was, you know, from a, from a veteran standpoint, that was yeah. like absolutely one of the most awful things that I I've seen and it will by far go down in our history, um, f- mm-hmm. for sure. And leave a horrible stain on that. It'll, it'll, it'll definitely go in hand in hand with, you know, the, the, the infamous events of nine 11 as well, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Um, and, 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 you know, like you said, you know, that had that, that all that occurred, all, all of that effort was removed in less than a week. Um, yeah. and yeah, it's just a crazy thing to see. And, you know, the, the biggest thing that I can tell people is to prepare yourself, whether it be from, you know, obviously a mental and a physical standpoint, mm-hmm. um, you know, don't believe that, you know, the, the world is, you know, a bunch of rainbow rainbows and, uh, unicorns. That's also not to say that you need to be absolutely terrified of the outside world. Right. Um, it's a balance of the two. And, um, you know, I try as, as best as I can in my seminars to not be a fear monger. Um, mm-hmm. I just present the information neutral as it is. And again, people can take that for what it is, but obviously most people who openly come to my, uh, seminars are already in the correct mind frame mindset and understand the true realities of what life can be and therefore they're being proactive in their actions and aren't um are deciding just not to become a victim 
Um, yeah. For and there's a, there's a difference in my in the way I look at it. There's a difference between awareness and then living with a fear based outlook. Yes. Like just because you're aware of the things that are not great that go on around you doesn't mean you're afraid of those things. And Absolutely. that's a, lo- a lot of people just operate, like you said, from that fear of, well, what if this happens? What if this happens? And like, you, that's a asking that question, being afraid of the answer is different than asking what if this happens and then responding with this is, then this is what I'm going to do. Control you know? what you control and, and let the rest yeah. go. If you, exactly. if you, if you try to live by that mantra, your life will be a lot more clear. If you try to worry about every mm-hmm. little thing, and that's what you see when people get, I would say too emotionally evolved, especially in politics and especially like even something as simple as like sports. Like I've never been a real big sports person, but like, you know, the stereotypical sports fan that's like screaming at, at the TV <laughs> inside the bar like people who don't have enough in their life going on and therefore they transcend their personality or their character towards this, um, towards this individual, again, whether it be a political individual or whether it be a, you know, a sports team. Um, that's not what we need. We need to try to remove ourselves from that and work on ourselves and therefore making ourselves better, our intern family better and our group and community, just that much better and stronger. Absolutely. From a, from a preparedness aspect, um, you know, I mean, the whole purpose of what you do is preparedness in a sense. Right. And, uh, but you know, a lot of people, if they're not able to make it to, uh, like a seminar or, you know, this kind of thing, like what kind of things should people be doing, uh, to, to feel more prepared and then actually by extension, be more prepared for, you know, whatever's going on. Well, I, w- I would definitely say uh, some form of, again, physical pursuit. Again, you don't mm-hmm. have to jump in and, you know, I don't, I don't expect people come to my seminars to be, you know, nationally accredited, you know, CrossFit athletes. <laughs> right. but, 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 but again, if you're getting out of breath walking to the top of your stairs, like the last thing you probably need is another gun. You probably need to watch what type of food or fuel you're putting mm-hmm. into your body and maybe just start off going for a mile walk. And two miles and then three. And then if walking gets lame, then run or jog and then go into running. Um, Again, it's the long game. And that's Mm -hmm. what our society forgets. People want instantaneous results. They want things Mm -hmm. here. Now they want it like the Amazon next day delivery, whether Mm -hmm. it be from a physical standpoint, a martial arts standpoint, gym standpoint, a business standpoint, people don't want to put the effort in like to become an expert in anything, it takes a minimum of about 10 years of regulated effort effort towards that endeavor. Mm-hmm. And 10 years is a long time for most people. If you want to put in the long game, that's what you're seeing here with um, this um, experimental gene therapy that people are willing to induce their body with instead of, again – going towards possibly a more holistic route. And again, I'm not saying that holistic medicine will fix everything, right? If you break your arm, you can't rub some crystals <laughs> on it, you know, and expect it to heal itself. You're going to, going to have to actually use some, you know, you know, some modern medicine and do that. Right. But I feel like a majority of time, a lot of proactive measures, especially from a mental aspect can mm-hmm. be found in holistic measures, but mm-hmm. that takes effort. That takes work. That takes time and no one wants to do that. They want things to work within an hour if I put this pill in my body or whatever it may Mm -hmm. be. 
Um, and that's what we need, again, a, a, to come together from a, from a collective societal standpoint is to understand to be in things for the long haul. So whether, it be, again, from a physical standpoint, if you're not in the best shape, then change that, right? Mm -hmm. You're not a tree. You can move, right? right? People think like they try to compare themselves. And that's another issue that we're having is people compare themselves to what someone else is doing in their business or they're following, especially on social media. It doesn't matter. They are not the one that's running your business. They are not the one mm -hmm. that's telling what you can do for your life. You are the one that, that that's in charge. You are the pilot. And more people need to, like I said, take that, understand that, and actually put effort towards that. Not just saying, you know, not getting motivated by some five-minute YouTube video. And then be like, yeah, I'm going to go do it. And then a week later, they're back into their same regime, mm -hmm. hating their life, being miserable. Like it, it, it it's going to take work and you're going to fail. And it's going to hurt and you're going to question, you know, if it's even worth it anymore, but you need to endure. That is the biggest thing. That was a pretty killer spot. I think to wrap it up, man, that was a good, that was a good <laughs> final you. couple of seconds there. Pretty killer. We'll just end it right Thank there. You. So, Sounds um, good. where is everything that you're doing? Sure. Uh, you know, if you still want to throw out social media yeah, or if you're sure. just like, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, Facebook rune nation, um, Instagram at Rune Nation LLC. Like I said, very limited effort on there. Maybe once a yep. week, if that. Um, I'm on Vero as well at Rune Nation. If you want to check that out, like I said, great platform. I'm the 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 creators and the and the developers are on there as well, and I have great conversations with them as well. Um, of course, most importantly, my website RuneNationLLC.com. That has all of my updated uh, seminar calendars. On top of that, you'll find my Thought Crimes main page, which has gives you the option of signing up for my Mind Fuel, which, like I said, is a is a daily blog. It's three bucks a month. That's so thirty cents a day. Um, that you can have constant information towards you. We can engage in conversation. Along with that, I, I've uh, written a digital zine that I'm in the process of getting in a physical actual zine right now it's awesome. digital and that's on my site for 30 bucks just a one-time purchase of that you have full access to it um it's kind of my thoughts on the world as a whole and from a philosophical standpoint and then like you i also started doing remote coaching because of the awesome. whole uh covid thing in the very beginning yeah. stages of this so if i thought if it can be done from fitness standpoint why can't it be done for shooting so instead of me plugging in bench press or you know squats i plug in you know presentation from the holster or mm, ready positions awesome. or reloading that can all be done in dry fire so i have some clients who do just dry fire which is essentially no ammo they're just building the mechanical base baseline for their shooting mm -hmm. and then they also some want to do live fire as well so some do it once a month like at the culmination of the month we do like a one day live fire especially with how the ammo prices and ammo availability sure. is nowadays um and I have clients from all over the world. I have, I have a client that's a that's a, uh, a cop over in the UK, actually. Um, I have people over on the West Coast. I have some people I've been with me for all, for two years now at this point. So it's completely awesome. customizable to you um, and your availability and your just your willingness to put in the effort. And um, that's on there. Um, like I said, I my last seminar of this year is in December. And then we typically, and I'll be starting back up in January and we'll just run through it again. Awesome. And um, if any further questions, just uh, runenationllc at gmail.com. I'm very good at responding at emails. And again, man, I appreciate your time. Appreciate you having me on and uh, hope to talk again soon. Yeah, man. I appreciate you. All right. Have a good rest of your day, bud. You too.
All right. Thank you for listening to this episode with Ian. Hope you guys got a lot out of this. If uh, you want to support what we're doing over here at Nomad Strength, you can go to the website nomad-strength.com. Sign up for the newsletter. Be the first to know about upcoming episodes. Uh, I don't do tons of newsletter blasts once or twice a month just to give you the the updates uh, that I think are important and things that are coming up. If you want to join the Nomad Tribe membership, which is an exclusive content and community platform that I've created that is not overseen by any tech overlords. We can post and talk about things that we may not be able to talk about, but we're all still pursuing health and strength. And there's a lot of great connection and training uh, concepts and videos and long form articles of mine and all of these things happening inside that group. So you can go to tribe.nomad-strength.com and go check it out. It's only 15 bucks a month. If you want to come be a part of it, we'd love to have you. So go check it out, tribe.nomad-strength.com. And uh, we'll talk to you at the next episode. Mm-hmm.